I'm Dr. Michelle Plaster, and you're listening to Between Two White Coats, a weekly podcast where we dig into key issues surrounding health and wellness. I'm a family medicine doctor, and my co-host, Amber Foster, is a family medicine nurse practitioner. In our combined 30 years in medicine, we've seen a lot. We are taking some of our biggest questions, obstacles, and patient-centered advice and wrapping it into a 20-minute weekly podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you have found this podcast helpful, give us a five-star rating and review. This helps other people find our podcast. And make sure you share it with your friends. Thank you for your time. We look forward to serving you. We are so happy to have Jane Robinson with us today. Jane has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in social work. She has over 20 years of experience in helping people, and that experience ranges from being a family advocate to doing clinical therapy and all kinds of other things in with that, including writing a book. Can you hold your book up there? For anyone looking at us on YouTube, this is Jane's book. Um, It is, and I have it written down, but I'm going to read it off of here. It is called The Divine Declaration, Awaken to Your Divine Inner Power and Your your Life Depends on It. Um, And that is a book that I am currently reading, as you let me know about it recently. Perfect. Then Amber's going to steal this one. I appreciate it. Um, Funny little (laughs) sidebar, Jane. I bought your book on Amazon when when you told me about it. And it has a library stamp inside, so I hope whoever I bought it from didn't steal it from the library. (laughs) I was like, oh, someone in North Dakota, some library in North Dakota is missing a book, and I just paid for it. So, funny little side note. Um, Along with Jane's wonderful book, uh, she also has been a contributor to a Zig Ziglar. I grew up listening to Zig Ziglar on my dad's radio. Love Zig Ziglar. So 101 Ways to Improve Your Life with Zig Ziglar, Uh, Jane contributed in that book. She has expertise and interest areas in motivational coaching, anxiety, grief, and and, uh, bereavement. And so welcome, Jane. Thank you for joining us. We are going to talk about a couple of uh, really common and really important topics with you. Uh, In our first episode with you, we're going to talk about anxiety, and then we are going to keep you and talk some more about depression for an episode after this one. So if you don't mind just kind of jumping right in on um, what it is for people to have anxiety, uh, how might people recognize that in themselves, um, what would be different things that people could find that they could use some assistance with? Okay. Um, thank you for having me. Our pleasure. <laughs> um, anxiety, you know, anxiety can be beneficial, actually, for all of us. We all have a little anxiety. It keeps us from running out in front of cars, those kinds of things. So it, it can be beneficial. But it becomes a problem when it becomes pervasive, and the worries are consistent. You cannot stop the worrying. Um, that's when you may want to seek help when it's it's interfering with your daily life, basically. Um, like I said, you ruminate. Some people ruminate with anxiety. Um, just go over and over the same thing. Um, some people put safety measures in place and they just cannot stop the safety measures. 
So um, those are things, and, and typically those things would interfere with your, with your life or with your relationships, your job, that kind of thing. I think you bring up a, such a valid point for any arena um, of your health, uh, but particularly with mental health. It's hard for people to know being nervous, being a worrier is how people are programmed. So if I've done that my whole life, when is it not working for me anymore? And, and I really think that's what you ask yourself is, is it not working for you? You know, are you, and I say to people who have anxious children, um, this is good. They won't live in your basement until the end of time. They're high achievers. They worry about things. They're, they're going to go get, they're going to go out there and do stuff. Um, but when does it get in your way? And I think if it is, if you are worrying about stuff to a point of it getting in your way, Mm -hmm. if you are nervous about something and it keeps you from being able to do things that you have to or want to do Mm -hmm. to be able to enjoy your life, then is the time to seek help, talk to your primary care, talk to a counselor, um, and see whether it is something that may be bigger and may require medications or other treatments, or if it's something that you really just need to develop the skills to do certain things to stop those thoughts so that they you, know, you don't go down that road too far. You know, I think in this past uh, year and a half of going through the pandemic, a lot of people have found a lot of things to worry about. We need to worry about some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but how do you stop the worry so that you can, you're worried about, let's use the pandemic. You're worried about going out of your house because you could catch a virus that could cause your death. Mm -hmm. And yet you have to go to the grocery store. You, Mm -hmm. you have to go back to work. Mm -hmm. And so how do you deal with that worry, but keep it, uh, in a place to where it keeps you healthy or safe, but it doesn't stop you from functioning. Okay. Um, the first thing I would recommend, if we're going to talk specifically about the pandemic, is to follow the protocols, the medical protocols that are in place. Wear a mask when you go to the grocery store or you're out in public. That would be, and get vaccinated if possible. Um, if you're having worry that's exceeding that, then, you know, if it's turning into a panic attack or you're starting to get into disassociation where your brain is beginning to try to calm itself down and you're just kind of feeling like an observer in a room when the anxiety gets Mm. too pervasive, sometimes that happens. Would you describe, so I know we know panic attacks, but I think sometimes patients don't realize they're having, I mean, they know something is wrong, but they wouldn't know to classify that as a panic attack. Mm -hmm. What would you say, hey, these are some physical symptoms. You mentioned, you know, where you kind of disassociate, like, you know, you're almost confused or Mm -hmm. whatever. But what what would you say, like, are very typical symptoms of panic attacks? Or what do you see? Um, Rapid heart rate. Um, You feel like you're breathing heavy. You may feel like you're having a heart attack. Um, you just have an overwhelming sense of fear mm-hmm. and then and it starts man- sometimes. Yes. Yeah. yes and it manifests through the body which our mind and our bodies are very connected as you both know yes. <laughs> I've watched so. people on a monitor while they had panic attacks and you can see the blood pressure skyrocket and the heart rate skyrocket and then as they abort the panic attack 
you can see it all return to normal. It's incredible how interrelated, but it is a physiologic uh, response mm-hmm. to whatever the fear that you may or may not realize. You, you, you may not even recognize that there's something that induced this. Right, right. It's that fight or flight thing. Yes. When the anxiety gets so high, then you get into that fight or flight thing. So, and, and the pandemic probably is contributing to that, obviously, for many people, because it is kind of a fight or flight. I mean, you're worried about your life, right? Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. And there are, you know, as we talk about panic attacks, there are different subclassifications um, or different diagnoses of anxiety. There's general anxiety mm-hmm. disorder, um, which I would say is just sort of a, as it sounds, feeling anxious most of the time, finding things to worry about that are maybe unrealistic worries. Um, And then there's panic attacks, which a lot of people who have general anxiety will have panic attacks. Um, But these things can be treated differently or addressed differently. Um, There's, you know, if we dig into the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic criteria for anxiety, Um, This is the book of psychiatry that we base all of our diagnosis on. A few things that I want to pull out from that. uh, Excessive anxiety and worry occurring more days than not for at least six months about um, a number of different events or activities. And so if you are finding that during this pandemic, you are extremely anxious about this pandemic, but everything else in your life still seems to be in place. Um, then you probably don't fall into a diagnosis of general anxiety. But that isn't to say that the feeling of anxiety or nervousness isn't getting in your way or isn't um, at a point where you could still get help for it. Um, A couple other things that uh, just are more the diagnosis and general anxiety disorder. Um, The person finds it difficult to control the worry. So you can't talk yourself off the ledge kind of thing. Um, or you need to meet with someone to help acquire the skills to talk yourself off of the ledge. Um, And the anxiety and worry are associated with three of the following six symptoms. So three of these six must be present for general anxiety. Restlessness or the feeling that you are keyed up or on edge, or second, being easily fatigued, third, difficulty concentrating or mind going blank, fourth, irritability, fifth muscle tension or sixth sleep disturbance and so if there's a combination of those things going on it may be diagnosed as general anxiety Um, and we talked about some of the other things that may um, lead to a diagnosis of panic attacks i put that in there really just for education reasons and so that if people are relating to that it lets them know there's something going on and there's help out there for you don't ignore it don't leave yourself feeling in this most desperate way that is not necessary. I think a lot of people will talk themselves out of getting help when it comes to any kind of mental health. Um, And you're just leaving yourself in a place that nobody wants to be in. And there's lots of help available for, for this. Talk to us about some of the different therapies for anxiety. Okay, um, and you're right. Anxiety is very treatable. So, um and it is one of the most common, it actually is the most common mental challenge that we face in America. So um, CBT is a very effective protocol. That's cognitive behavioral therapy. 
um, for anxiety and there is a program that I actually utilize that is a 10 session program which insurance companies obviously love because it's right <laughs> they, they, they like to know the beginning yeah, and the end yes right, they that's do right, that's right but um, but I'm glad that you say that too because it's important for people to realize that these a number of these mental health services can be covered by insurance mm-hmm. and it's worth looking at if you're saying to yourself there's financial barriers I'm not going to do it Right. There are ways that you can we can get around those financial barriers. Right, right. Um, but I will just tell you, and the particular program that I'm talking about is a CBT-based program. But some people don't want to do that homework necessarily. Some people do. Some people don't. So what I do with that is pull from that. For instance, um, we do press progressive muscle relaxation as part of that protocol. Um, Deep breathing, diaphragmatic breathing is another good thing. And I actually use the protocol that the Navy SEALs use, which is called box breathing. So you breathe in to the count of four, hold to the count of four, exhale to the count of four, hold again to the count of four. And you're breathing through your diaphragm, not just breathing into your lungs. You see your stomach going out and coming back in. And this is diaphragmatic breathing mm-hmm. often. You'll say put your hands on your stomach right. and really feel your stomach move when you breathe. Exactly. Exactly. So you're really getting oxygenated. And what that's also helping do, it's helping stop the rumination. It focuses the mind. And even meditation with a mantra is helpful because mantra, the word mantra is from the Sanskrit. Man meaning mind. Tra meaning release. Mm. Mind release. So I also work with people on meditation or safety visualizations because a lot of people with anxiety have safety issues. So that's another protocol. Um, One thing about the pandemic that may be helpful is to schedule worry time. Mm. Schedule it. Give yourself 15 or 20 minutes a day and let yourself just worry for that time. But don't let it consume your whole day. I'm allowed, yeah, yeah, I'm allowed yeah. to worry, right. but I'm not allowed to worry when I'm supposed to be doing a number of other things. Right, right. I like that. Maybe I give myself a little permission to... <laughs> okay. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you're sitting here going, I'm like, one, two, three, four, like I'm counting. <laughs> no wonder you have to think about it. That you do. Yeah. Yep. So at the yep. time when... So first, how do you catch yourself? You know, we... we um, talked a little bit with uh, Dr. Hawkins on um, uh, stop thinking or how do we um, how do we even know when we need to do these things you know so many times we're so good at worrying Mm -hmm. that that we can take ourselves all the way across the worry universe before we realized that we were traveling and so how do we catch that so that we can then say okay it's time to act like a Navy SEAL and do some thinking Mm -hmm. okay If a thought that you're having feels negative and is interfering with something that you're trying to do that day or most days, we need to try to stop that thought because it's detrimental to your life. It's detrimental to your mental and physical health when we stay in that cycle of negative thinking. So I'm cruising through my social media and I'm reading someone's post and that post is absolutely offensive to every single thing I stand for. And before I start typing my absolute negative response, I could do what? (laughs) You could stop for a moment and do the box breathing one to three times to clear your mind 
and collect your thoughts before you act. So in that moment, I am focused just on the breathing and I am making sure I'm breathing from my diaphragm and Mm -hmm. I'm counting to four and focused on my breathing and my body and then all that reactive thinking or negative thinking that's just taking Mm -hmm. me in the wrong direction gets replaced by actually trying to breathe. Right, because what happens, we calm our bodies down with that, Dr. Plaster and Amber, I know you both know this stuff too, but you calm your body down and your mind down, you think differently. Mm -hmm. You can have a problem and think about a problem before you do the diaphragmatic breathing or the progressive muscle relaxation exercise. When you think about that same problem after those protocols, typically that thought process changes. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about the progressive muscle thing. I can get the one, two, three, four breathing. Yep. I got that. Okay. I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that. Okay. Like, what is that? So what you do is you tense up your muscles starting with your toes. toes. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're already doing there. that right now. But we have to release it. Amber too. <laughs> there. You do that. So so you tense up tense your toes. Up. Okay. Release your toes. Okay. Tense up your feet and your ankles. Just you know, like tilt them up yeah. toward the sky. I'm doing that now. Release. Okay. Tense up your calf muscle. Okay. Release it. Good to think about it. I'm better yeah. at the tense than the release. But right, right. I'm like, oh, I'm right, working. Right, 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 right. <laughs> All right. And you do that progressively up through your body, even into your face where you're tensing your facial muscles and your eyes and all of that. And, and that releases the tension and relaxes the body so we're able to think. How long should that process take? Um, it can, I mean, it can take as long as you want it to. You can do it quickly or you can do it longer. A lot of people do it when they go to bed at night, actually. To, to relax so, and yeah. release mm-hmm. so that you can mm-hmm. get some sleep. Right. And, you know, I imagine you're sitting at your desk and you're frustrated and you're hearing the person chew too loud at the cubicle next to you and there's just a lot that you're feeling overwhelmed and, like, I'm going to explode. And if you could just put some earbuds in and do that exercise for three or four minutes Mm -hmm. and relax yourself, and then you'd be able to return to work without that. The more I think about how I can hear the person next to me and the more I think about this negative and that negative, the more I can't move on and do my work or think other thoughts. So that really releases you from that. That's right. That's right. It's, it really is amazing. I mean, I've worked this protocol with people and even the safety visualization. Explain that one. That is, um, for instance, what I typically do, but but I also let the client guide it too because I have a protocol, but if they don't like that protocol, that's okay. We can do a different visualization. It's no problem. But what I typically do is ask them to close their eyes, surround yourself in an egg of light that's a golden light, See a light coming in from the sky, down through your crown chakra, going through your spinal column, and anchoring into the ground for centering. Keep that golden light around you in the egg. You can surround it again with a pink light, a healing pink light. And see, it makes me have cold chills when I talk about this, honestly, it is so effective. But set the intention that that safety egg is going to be around you for 24 hours Mm. and do that every morning and only energy that can come in is energy you allow in and you release positive energy out to the universe
need a safety egg. Okay, okay. you and I, we're you gonna and I are going to make each other do this. Do you this hear what I just said? We're going to buy ourselves a safety egg. That's, <laughs> that's the problem I'm having right now. What is my Where shirt? do I get one of them? <laughs> you make your own. See, it's a free egg. Amber. It's a free egg. <laughs> Anyone can Close your eyes and do the egg. God. But and you it, know, that is such a great way to start the day because mm-hmm. this morning, uh, our other nurse practitioner and Amber and I were talking about just gearing ourselves up for another day in healthcare in a pandemic. Yeah. And, and really, unfortunately, how we were gearing ourselves up is how uh, many of us gear ourselves up. We were reflecting on the negativity of yesterday. We were prepared for the people who were going to be negative today and um, and I venting gonna, about, but... We're just going to bully through it. We're just, yeah, yeah. we're just, you know, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And I'm, it's done. But yep. at, at any point, we could take our mind instead of saying, yesterday stunk and I bet today stinks too... We could instead say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to choose the space that I'm in today. I'm gonna to put a safety net around me and and I feel like that would allow me as the negative energy came my way to know I'm my work here's done. I'm going mm-hmm. to shift to a different space and I'm going to try to keep more positive stuff coming out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, because you've you've intentionally chose that environment for yourself for the day. That's right. That's right. Because as you both know, everything is energy. Yeah. Right. So when we can set that positive energetic intention, it can be very helpful for us, especially with what you guys are dealing with on a daily basis. And I think, you know, even when we talk about our patients and um, and people who feel that they have no control um, during mm-hmm. the pandemic, but so many times no control in so many arenas. Um, we talk about parenting and sometimes how... Um, your children or adolescents feel like they don't have control because all day people are telling you what you can do and what you can't do, and it's hard being a kid. And so to be able to create this, you can control this environment that you're in, and you can control your outlook, and you can control what you let in. You can't control what they say, but you can exactly. actually try to block how close right. it gets to you. That's right. That's exactly so right. So it kind of just gets a uh, like a mental... I mean, literally, as you're describing it, I'm thinking of the little egg with the pink light. You know, like your brain will go there. But essentially, it's a healthy boundary that you're creating. And so by visualizing that, you can see that. And so then you're like, okay, that makes more sense. Because we are visual, you know, we do use our vision to see things. And so visualization is effective. And what I love about these these treatments that you're throwing out, these skills that people can quickly learn, mm-hmm. um, that do not require a PhD in psychology to be able to pick these right. traits up. <laughs> um, but uh, it really, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is such a powerful thing, um, and it changes how people think about counseling because counseling people tend to think, well, we're gonna we're gonna dig into past events, and then I'm gonna cry for an hour, and then I'm gonna leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is. No, we're going to help you recognize when you need to implore a new skill. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to empower you with this new skill. You're going to figure out which one works for you in different situations. Yeah. And then you have these skills to move forward with that when life is happening to you, you can still maintain some control. Mm-hmm. Um, when your mind is in a place that you don't want it to be, you can learn the skills to take control back over that and redirect your thoughts into a place that's safer and more comfortable for you. That's exactly right, Dr. Plaster. Um, tell us then, so people who have been struggling with anxiety, um, 
uh, this is 10 sessions of learning different cognitive behavioral therapies. Mm -hmm. Cognitive behavioral, simple way of saying, you, you focus on your mind, you focus on your behaviors, you're able to take action and change your mind and your behaviors through learning these simple skills. Right. Um, and then you can move forward in recognizing, no, I don't want to go down that road in my mind, and here's the skills that I can use to not go down that road. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. And thought stopping, of course, is one of those that when we... You know, when we tell ourselves negative things, and a lot of times those are core beliefs mm -hmm. that need to be changed. Um, and so just telling yourself, stop, stop. And, and you may need to say it out loud. You may need to say it to yourself inside. But when, when that core belief keeps coming up and it's negative, we need to stop that thought. Mm -hmm. What are common core beliefs that you hear? I'm not good enough. I need same to be thing. perfect. Dr. Hawkins said the same thing. I need yep. to be good Yeah. Uh, perfection is a big deal, too. Perfectionism is a big deal. Mm -hmm. A lot of people that um, struggle with anxiety struggle with being perfect. And, you know, that can be a problem. Yeah, because none of us are. Right. And um, there is something about realizing that mistakes are often just pivots. And mm -hmm. we can really get caught in the mistake when it was really an opportunity um, to, to learn so much about yourself, but that's, you know, when you say core belief, it's, it's what we're trained to believe to be fact. Right. And we own that as our truth and, and we have to learn differently. That's right. And so if you believe you are not worthy of love, if you are not perfect, then you will spend your whole life being not worthy of love because you can never be perfect enough. That's right. That's exactly right. And then when you realize no one's perfect and everyone's worthy of love mm -hmm. uh, and that you don't apply that to other people, just to yourself, mm -hmm. then uh, you can free yourself to know uh, that is not the voice that you need to keep carrying around with you. That is a perfect point in saying that I even talk to clients about if this were happening to a friend of yours to get them out of it, how would you talk to that friend about that? And it like you said, it makes them think about it differently. Because these very loving people who spread mm -hmm. love to all others, mm -hmm. but but do not love themselves. Right. Or do not feel that they are worthy of the love that they right. give to others. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's so much inconsistency in our thoughts, in all of our thoughts. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, and, and I love the quote of uh, the thoughts in your head or the beliefs of, about yourself started as someone else's voice. You're, you're told That's things right. so many times yeah. That, or you're told things one time in an impactful way, mm -hmm. and then you mistakenly believe it, mm -hmm. and it becomes your truth when it's really not truth at all. And yeah. I think through counseling, people can really dig in and realize, my gosh, I've been beating myself up. Why am I doing that? Mm -hmm. I, wouldn't, I would not do that to someone else. That's right. That's right. And there's another quote that says, we have been critical of ourselves for so long and it hasn't worked maybe we should try approval mm. so you go you do the the stop the core belief mm -hmm. the negative core belief and then what do you do reframe it um you know for instance if someone has told you um I, i'm just going to say this if someone says okay you have to make good grades all of the time okay i think i've said 
We've heard it and yeah. said it. Okay. Sure. Yeah, that's right. okay, and that is an ideal thing, right? That yeah, right. that is a good thing. But is it actually necessary if someone comes in and says, you know, I feel like I have to be perfect because I always had to make good grades, right? Okay. So maybe you might want to take that thought and reframe it and say, you know, actually a B is okay. And and some of us are squirrels and we don't swim like fish so maybe we don't not we're not as good in math as we are in science okay so you don't expect a fish to climb a tree and you don't expect a squirrel to swim underwater for very long Mm -hmm. so try to create a balance of that thought and try to think about it a little differently maybe maybe you had great grades in english or science but maybe math just wasn't your forte yeah so stopping our our core beliefs that don't serve us mm-hmm. and reframing. reframing them with core beliefs that do serve us well mm-hmm. um, and are much more realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, learning certain behaviors through cognitive behavioral therapy to where you can, when you're taking your mind into a place that is not where you need to be, you can recognize that and then you can have behaviors to change your thoughts, change your behaviors, learning those techniques, um, which isn't difficult, but absolutely can be exactly what someone needs to learn to manage anxiety. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, I think as people go down these roads, they also find they start and they have to do a lot of this work and then it becomes very natural to just stop the thought and you don't have to move on to the cognitive behavioral therapy because you become so good at just stopping the thought and realizing, no, I'm not going down that road. And, um, and you get better and better at not having anxiety. That's right. It's just like exercising your body. This is exercising your mind. Absolutely. You know, I'm so glad that we had this conversation because it seems as though anxiety is an unnecessary evil that a lot of us carry. Um, and you know, I, I'm a worrier. My every ER shift I've ever worked was like, what could go wrong here? This, there's a lot of chaos. Um, that's not my, my most comfort zone, but if I couldn't go into the ER or I couldn't function, I really needed to get help. But if I just wanted to function better in that environment, I could have sought these kind of skills for that as well. So if you think you may struggle with anxiety or your nerves are just pushing you in places that you don't wish to be, um, there are a lot of really great people out here who can help you. Um, Jane being a brilliant one that can uh, assist with anxiety um, in, in really learning some simple things. Um, thank you so much for your input on this and please stick with us for our next episode where we're going to dig into another really common um, issue that people struggle with depression. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for having me. We like to finish each episode on a positive note. So here's today's tell me something good. Something good is quiet time. Quiet time can be all kinds of different things. You may meditate or pray or just go for a quiet walk. Or if you're a mom, you may lock yourself in the bathroom where no one can find you until you can get a moment to catch your breath. The simple idea is take a few moments to relax in a quiet space, do some deep breathing and remind yourself to calm down, clear your mind and enjoy the quiet. 
it will restore you. Thank you for joining us today. And until next time, take care of yourself.